African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And I'm Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. It's great to be back in Johannesburg. Last week, I was uh, in uh, Port Elizabeth where we were looking at uh, women on the continent and women in business. It's been fantastic having those conversations. But today, we're coming back to looking at another ongoing debate and conversation we're having on the continent, which is land redistribution. But we keep coming back to this particular topic constantly. It seems there's always one skirmish or an outburst that keeps us coming back to this conversation. And now the conversation is even further because there has been an introduction rather to land redistribution. But now we're asking the question, is it a possible venture or is it something that's becoming a dead debate? Rights to land and resources are at the center of the most pressing development issues. Land rights in many parts of the country are conflicted and the land rights and human rights of the poor are regularly undermined and put on the peripheries of this discussion and as we get closer to the African National Congress's policy conference individual populist uh, pronouncements are gathering momentum around the issue of land redistribution and that's in South Africa now for example KwaZulu-Natal ANC chairperson Sihye Zigalala has called on white landowners to apologize for taking land from land farmers, saying refusing to do so would set the country on the path to self-destruction. And we know that this is a big conversation, especially when it comes to the politics of South Africa, and also not just South Africa, but something that also other African countries have been trying to grapple with. To help us on this issue of land redistribution in South Africa, uh, we joined on the line by Professor Ruth Hall. It's been a while, Professor Ruth Hall, having you on our program. Thank you for joining us. She's the Associate Professor uh, from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of uh, the Western Cape. And also on the line, we've got Armand Hreiling, who is uh, from Afri Business Law and a Policy Analyst. And uh, also we've got uh, the Political Analyst, Independent Political Analyst Dr. Somadota Figeni joining us on uh, the line. And uh, we'll continue this discussion. But I want to start it from a political perspective perspective with you, Dr. Figeni. Thank you for giving us your time. We know that moving into this uh, policy conference and uh, the African National Congress policy conference, there has been conversations even from the president of the African National Congress on revisiting the issue of land redistribution. We know this was sparked years back when we saw the popularity of the EFF with their issue of land redistribution without compensation. Where do you think this conversation of land redistribution, Dr. Figen, is going in South Africa? Well, I do think that there are two things which are taking place. There is a growing pressure which is coming out from the realization that in 23 years, South Africa has done better in putting the institutions of democracy and the architecture of democracy in place 
than in achieving its socio-economic transformation goals. So there is a rising pressure mm. occasioned by the current socio-economic challenges where people are beginning to ask whether the whole project and the promise of emancipation is taking place. Now that is causing the debate not to go away. Hence other parties such as the EFF are taking the matter up and others like the Freedom Front Plus and the Afri Forum and so forth are trying to take an opposite position to say they want to defend the rights of those who are owning property. Then at another level, there is a periodic cyclical sense around this debate. Whenever ANC is going to a policy conference, the rhetoric around land redistribution, around radical transformation start going up. But that usually is not followed by a consistent, sometimes honest implementation uh, of these. There are a number of reasons for that, among others being the very conviction or commitment of leaders on this subject. The other one being the state capacity to deliver, which very often is not there. Uh, All those kinds of things have to be taken into account when we're reflecting on this matter. Mm. Now, let me take this uh, conversation to you, Professor Ruth Hall. I know that uh, we've been politicizing uh, this issue of land resources and land distribution currently. Uh, But in terms of uh, actually seeing the program of land distribution unfold, it seems to be something that's painstaking and is something that's long overdue and is taking place very slowly, but is very rife in the political space. But on the ground, it's very slow. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I would agree with um, uh, Dr. Fikeni's characterization of the debate as being a cyclical one. If we actually look at what's been happening with the redistribution of land, uh, we saw the program taking off quite slowly in the 1990s. Tabo and Becky came, uh, came in and said, we're not going to do this, uh, redistributing uh, small farms to the poor anymore. We're going to promote black commercial farmers. So the whole program was changed around 2000. And while that was happening for about a year or so, there was a big dip in how much land was being redistributed. And then the program really took off, and uh, a lot was achieved up to the period of about 2007 or 8. And what's happened since then is that the program has fallen to about 25% of its size. Um, so uh, I'm actually right now looking at a graph that mm-hmm. shows the number of hectares redistributed year on year. And what we basically see is that we're back to about the levels of 1995-96 when the program was just starting. So what I would say is that there is a, there's a paradox right now. As the political rhetoric around land is increasing across the political spectrum, the actual program is being dismantled largely. Uh, it is a any show of its former self. Mm. And this is partly because uh, the budget has been declining year on year mm. since 2009. So basically since President Zuma came in, the budget has been declining year on year. Uh, but also because uh, mm. Minister Nkrinchi, who is responsible for land reform, has been taking a lot of the money available for buying land to redistribute it to black South Africans and using that money for other things. And part of what he's doing is spending that money on supporting commercial farming projects 
um, in part because the Department of Agriculture is not supporting it. So I think mm-hmm. that we have, in a sense, a lack of leadership at the national level to say, let's drive this process forward. We know what we want to achieve. We know what is needed to achieve it. Uh, in a sense, we're in a hopping pattern where, on the one hand, politicians are saying the land question is a crucial question of liberation, mm-hmm. democracy, mm-hmm. Um, dealing with poverty and inequality, and overcoming a colonial legacy. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we actually see that our own government has not taken the steps that it could be taking to addressing that issue. Mm-hmm. Let me move to you, uh, Amon Khreling. Amon Khreling is from the Afri Business Law and Policy Analyst. And uh, uh, just to also invite Glenn Farid, who's also just joined us on the line. He is uh, from uh, the Association for Rural Advancement, and uh, he's the program manager. But coming to you, Amon Khreling, what are your thoughts around the politicization of the land issue on, uh, in South Africa specifically and the conversation right now is actually speaking about actually the idea of building a momentum in, in, in land redistribution but more specifically the issue of uh, no compensation seems to be the more emphasis right now that uh, the umf- no compensation emphasis is becoming more prevalent in the political discussion Yes um, uh, it's quite a, uh, uh, an emotional topic uh, to talk about. Um, the thing is uh, that the, the Constitution makes uh, it adamant that uh, for anyone to be, no one is allowed to be uh, deprived of property ownership arbitrarily, and any deprivation uh, should be done with just and equitable compensation. Now, I know for a fact that the uh, government has um, drafted the expropriation bill to allow it to um, expropriate property for public interest, etc., um, and that bill does make make way for just and equitable compensation. Um, but the thing is now with you, when you're hearing the rhetoric uh, with regard to land and the current or the past the couple of weeks, it seems that the government is trying to change its mind with regard to that. Um, whether that is to uh, speed up land reform, the land reform process, um, or whether it's just to make more land available for the state for the purposes of land distribution uh, is unclear at this stage. Um, mm, mm. What I can tell you uh, with regard to this, it, it seems to, uh, to be uh, a much politicized thing. I don't know whether it's the ANC's policy at this stage with regard to them losing three of the major metros in South Africa. If they are taking up the, the bet from the EFF to, to politicize uh, the land issue, if I can call it that, because that's what it's been, been called a couple of, uh, these mm. past couple of months. Mm, um, mm. Whether they try to take that up to get the populist vote say so at 2019 we uh, we are a government that uh, is, uh, is uh, on the people's side and we we see the, the cry out for the people but I think it might be too little too late um, uh, they are taking too long with regard to the relevant legislation and also with regard to the 2014 restitution act um, they had the, 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 the procedures in place to extend the land reform procedure and then last year the Constitutional Court said that the Act was adopted unconstitutionally. Now you have all these extra claimants that have come into the into the bundle, and now their claims are in limbo and they can't be processed. So mm-hmm. who is the blame actually to be placed on? Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal opinion, is it, it should be placed on government. They mm-hmm. stood up. Well, let me, let me move to you, Glenn. Your thoughts about the context of where we are around the land issue. And uh, I think where there is an agreement with all our guests, the fact that uh, there seems to be 
a kind of slowing down with actually getting that program going going especially in, in rural areas and as highlighted by professor ruth hall that it was only until 2007 where we saw saw the program actually slowing down in, in south africa but now we see a, a very much prevalent rhetoric in our politics well thank you and uh, thank you to your guests and listeners um i think Firstly, we've just got to acknowledge that uh, in South Africa, land is political, and it is, as your other guest was saying, a signifier mm-hmm. of uh, of our country and its past, so sure. and its present. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we can't get away from the fact. So I think we have to accept that there will be always be a, pol- a political connotation to the questions of land, sure. um, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what, where are we? I think if we start asking that question, I think your other Gets have highlighted the fact that look at the budget, it's declined, right? Now, there's a complex uh, legal arrangement and mandate uh, which the state needs to execute. So before we come to the expropriation bill, which I think is a very separate thing, <coughs> let us address the limits of, of where we are. And part of that is that we have legislation and policy which coexist. It's very difficult to understand uh, what the position is of the governing party at the moment, because we have one statement that says, of course, we are committed to the Constitution, and we will be guided by that, Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, which says, yes, we must expedite this matter, but we will do it constitutionally. On the other hand, we have fairly wild statements that come out uh, at that provincial and local level. Um, which is just that the policy is far closer to <coughs> those who are calling for either land invasions or expropriation without compensation. Mm. Um, so I think one of the key things that is necessary is for there to be policy certainty um, from mm. government, mm. Uh, which will assist that. So where does this policy uncertainty arise from? And I think here we come into the challenge. Um, and I'm sure your other uh, guests can, can really contribute to this. But... Um, where we have a simple process where, for example, labor tenants who are there recognized in law and where they even act with a cutoff date for them to receive, to have their claims processed. Um, you know, our organization today is sitting with 14,000 wow. unprocessed claims. Wow. Right? Those are individuals. Now, that's not the households. That's not the large number of people who are affected by this. The department has no reasonable explanation for why it hasn't acted. These are people who have... Right, they are legally entitled. Now, <clears throat> when we look at that, we can't then just say expropriation is a, a magic wand that we can wave and then these people will receive their land. By the way, we have to also keep, keep in mind that our purpose, our aim as a country is to ensure not only that people's rights are enshrined and realized, but that the quality of their lives significantly improves. And to do that for people who are on farms, or in rural communities, many other things need to be put in place. So I think we want to welcome a conversation that mm-hmm. really begins to say, what is impeding our progress here, mm-hmm. and how can we expedite it, mm-hmm. rather than having a political discussion, which in many ways 
we can continue to have it, but we'll not be able to resolve. Mm. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and uh, we're going to see how far we can take this uh, question. I want to, I've got a few questions also for uh, Dr. Figeni there to give us his view from a political perspective, especially the racialization of this issue. I know that there's a huge conversation against the blacks versus the whites when it comes uh, to this issue, but we'll deal with that. Uh, hey, we want to hear your thoughts. Join us on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One. That's at Channel Africa One. We ask the question there, how should land redistribution be tackled to accommodate previously disadvantaged Africans? Give us your thoughts there so we can also share them on air today. How should land redistribution be tackled to accommodate previously advantaged Africans? That's at Channel Africa One, that's our handle or at African Dialogue. And we'll take a quick break and come back to our guests. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, that's the question we're asking on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. How should land redistribution be tackled to accommodate previously disadvantaged Africans? Uh, give us uh, your thoughts there. Let me come to you, Dr. Somatota Figeni, in terms of looking at how this has become also a racial uh, conversation, looking at the history of uh, South Africa. Uh, KwaZulu Natal ANC Chairperson Sikhe Zigalala called on white landowners to apologize for taking land from African Farmers saying refusing to do so would set the country on the path to self-destruction. This is a is this a form of stoking the fires, or do you think that this is a, a best approach, uh, Dr. Figeni? Should we actually racialize this particular issue of land ownership? Well, I do think that the apartheid geography of ownership is already a racial matter. Sure. But what is most important is a mature sophisticated leadership that is sensitive to the fact that whilst you have to address historical issues of injustice, you equally must be creating a platform for a united, socially cohesive South Africa. Once you have leadership that is alive to that, you could do both by clearly explaining and appealing to all different sectors of the society to handle this sensitive matter, but also be decisive. The longer you let this thing to fester, land claims taking 20 years at times, 15 years, Mm -hmm. you are going to fall into this space of polarization of issues. And uh, in essence, I think here it's just a failure of leadership and opportunistic engagement on this particular matter. Mm. Many countries have gone through land reforms, and they've done so without necessarily, uh, you know, polarizing the society. And secondly, I think I am still trying to understand the advisability of this research upon research, Mm. whose land was this one, and so forth. Mm -hmm. A historical fact is clear that a majority of blacks are without land. You can, without necessarily going back to all kinds of histories as to who took what from where, and say 
we need a fair redistribution of land uh, because the research capacity of land claimants is very weak and mm. injustice of them not getting their land because you are doing this nine-year research. Uh, and yet you find those who are well capacitated could have research which brings doubt the process. So it should just be the issue of the need-based approach. Uh, and then looking at the land that is within the state control, land that is underutilized, and land that needs some sharing between the workers and the farm owners, but being honest about that approach Mm. with a clear sense of how you support those who get the land. Mm. Let me come to you, Aman Khrelin. Your your thoughts on on that sense that uh, uh, we need to have a very much diverse approach to this issue of, of land reform. And I know that some the conversation mostly is seen from a political perspective, that is, and also a social perspective. We can't run away from that, that the majority of land is owned by, by whites, South Africans or even white foreigners are also in the country owning uh, large portions of, of that land. Is that a healthy debate to have or should we look at it from a different perspective according to Afribusiness? Well, I think it is a, a, a um, it is a diff- it's difficult to answer because when you say you generalize to say um, that foreign nationals who are white and white South Africans own land. Mm, mm. One of the things I know that the Restitution Act takes into consideration is the acquisition of land. So if you say, listen, this guy is a white farmer who owns a specific piece of land and mm, there's now mm. a land claim on it, how did he acquire that piece of property? Was it due to the fact of um, uh, some racially discriminatory laws that he acquired the land? Was it uh, due to conquest by his forefathers, etc.? So generalizing uh, the thing as being a, a white man uh, ownership problem or whatever, I think is very dangerous to say. Um, what we should be doing is to take everything as the Land Claims Commission is doing on a case-by-case basis. And I presume that might be one of the reasons why the land restitution um, process takes so long because of all the extensive research that has to go into exactly who did live on the property and how was it acquired, etc., etc. Um, after 1913 or even prior to that. Um, I presume that is one of the issues at hand. But polarizing it that as saying that it's a white issue, I think is very, very dangerous. Um, and mm. unfortunately, that, that might be one of the, uh, the things that people want to hear, that there is a bad guy in this whole process. Um, but I don't, think, uh, I don't think that is the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, there has been dispossession of some individuals after 1913, and where cases such as that can be um, substantiated and proven, then obviously there should be some form of compensation or redistribution that should happen. Um, what I can tell you uh, with regard to some of the yearly reports from the Land Claims Commission is that um, I think out of uh, 350,000 claims that, uh, that were submitted, only about 80,000 of 80,000 of those were found to be valid. So that might give you an idea of maybe some individuals trying to be opportunistic with regard to instituting land play. Mm, well, um, let me, let, let me take that to let me take that that to Professor Ruth Hall because I think that's an, an important point that you're making. Do you agree with that sentiment, mm. uh, uh, Professor Ruth Hall, that it's it's dangerous to to racialize uh, the land issue, but it is a practical reality. And uh, looking at the history of South Africa, some people would argue that uh, land was taken 
from uh, the owners of their particular land in, in, in different parts of, of the continent. And there has to be a real look at how that land is actually, uh, actually now the geography of the ownership has to be revisited. Professor Ruth? Absolutely. Sure. I mean, you know, let's remember, remember, let's say that, um, let's recall that Karl Marx said, you know, all property is theft. Property is theft. And the creation of private property across the world, and particularly in colonial settings, arises from theft. So I think it's very clear that this is a racial issue in South Africa. It's clear that, it's clear that whites have benefited from uh, land dispossession. And particularly, I think that we should distinguish that the vast majority of white people in South Africa do know, not own agricultural land, only a very, very small number. Mm, mm. But everyone has benefited from the dispossession of apartheid. So many of us are several generations off the farms now, but the money is sitting in the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. It's sitting in urban property. It's sitting in offshore investments. So we must be clear that that the, the, the dispossession that happened in the context of conquest and colonialism has enabled racial patterns of accumulation that live on. Uh, that is somewhat different from the question of who owns the land now. If we look at mm-hmm. who does, um, a very small number of entities, of commercial farming entities now exist. There are less than 30,000 in the whole country. Increasingly, they are owned not only by white families, but particularly by companies. So our agricultural ownership has become more corporatized. And we must be clear that when the ANC says contradictory things about the land question, what it's doing is it's wrestling with, on the one hand, the impulse to appeal to uh, popular concern about the land issue and resentment at the lack of change, but also it's having to hedge its bets because now the vast majority of the agricultural debt, in other words, the mortgages, on commercial held by the big four uh, banks in South Africa. So who would lose out in the, con- in the context of expropriation without compensation? Sure, a small number of white people and a small number mm. of companies, but also the banking system. So I think that the ANC is, is grappling with this. And when we see President Zuma contradicting his own party, sure. um, I think what we're seeing is the acting out of this division that's, that's at the heart of the ANC right now, which is struggling to, to find its ideological position mm-hmm. in the midst of being threatened by both the EFS and the DA, and the EFS particularly threatening its urban base. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that's why we see also the rise of the traditionalist kind of rhetoric, mm-hmm. the appeal mm-hmm. to the chief, the appeal to the Khoisan. Mm-hmm. The ANC is really um, betting on the land issue as being one way to secure its rural base in a context mm-hmm. in which it has been shaken by the erosion of its urban support base and the inroads made by both from the left and the right. Mm. Well, uh, on our Twitter handle, Laurel Utley, who is also from uh, the Association for Rural Advancement, uh, actually gets in her voice into this conversation. Laurel on our Twitter handle says, uh, Channel Africa 1, South Africa needs a comprehensive land administration system to support land reform or implementation will continue to fail. We need kind of a comprehensive uh, system. What are your thoughts there, Glenn, on uh, some of those uh, thoughts? Well, I think it's a very important point. And I, um, you know, if we look at the mandate that we have here and, and the different and overlapping laws, we've got the Restitution Act, which I think most of us are familiar with, but we've got a number of other laws that cohabit and exist and over our land administration. So I think we shouldn't lose this point that, listen, we need coherence and we need uh, uh, an understanding of how this thing is impacting across 
the economy. But at the technical, practical level, um, you've got legislation that covers communal property associations. So these are things that kick in, for example, when land has been transferred to claimants in, in one form or another or by some arrangement. Now, those all these laws, we've got physical planning laws, we've got the Sectional Title Act, we've got the Spatial Planning and Land Use Management Act. Um, and I think a lot of this creates a complex and unwieldy system um, for land administration. Yeah? And it doesn't reinforce. So the, the, the need for legislative uh, review, I think, is, is, is widely recognized. The need to understand how these different laws impact on our capacity as, as a society to address what is necessary. But then the institutional weaknesses and the overlaps that happen and then the contradictions that exist at different levels of, of government and between different government departments. So I think that there's a real urgency uh, in a way um, for us to get down to brass tacks and begin to unpack some of this. And I think it's really important um, that we understand these particular pieces of legislation. We need to understand how they interact. We need to understand how they intersect and how they support or don't um, more effective outcomes. Um, so land administration would be one, just one dimension. As you can see from what I'm saying now, there's so many pieces of legislation that intersect there, just in that issue. Um, it becomes incredibly complex. And if we accept that there needs to be a starting point that land is political, land is racialized, mm. yes, we can accept all of those things. But can we move the conversation forward mm. to one in which we are addressing the practicality and realities that we are faced with today? Mm. Well, that's the voice of Mr. Glenn Farad, who is joining us from the Association for Rural Development, and he's a program manager there. We also have on the line Professor Ruth Hall, who's the Associate Professor from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of the Western Cape. We also have Arman Khreling on the line. He's from Free Business Law Policy, and he's an analyst there. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and conclude this conversation. Where to let go of Dr. Asuma Dodafikeni, who's an independent political analyst there. But we'll just conclude this conversation. Various thoughts and views are coming. I know it's not very contentious. We don't have people interrupting the next person. But there is varying views that are coming from this conversation. What are your thoughts on the conversation we're having today? Remember, you can uh, still contribute your thoughts on our Twitter handle. How should land redistribution be tackled to accommodate previously advantaged Africans? Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa 1. Our other handles at uh, African Dialogue. We want to hear from you. It's 11.38 Central African time. We've got a few minutes left. We're going to just get uh, our final sentiments from our guests. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
We're broadcasting live right here in Johannesburg in our Auckland Park studios at the SABC. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Moshatama, on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. That's our main initiative. That's our main service into the continent of Africa. Uh, but you can also listen to us uh, on uh, uh, 802. That's 802 Audio Bouquet channel on DSTV. Or you can stream us live on www channelafrica.co.za very very interesting conversation how do we take things forward I think that's how I'm going to wrap this conversation up Uh, Professor Ruth Hall let me start with you in this part of the conversation just to sum up this uh, conversation I know we've highlighted various ways of uh, going forward but how do we move beyond this uh, political rhetoric how do we actually see a visibility of this project being moved forward of land redistribution I think there are so many opportunities to get this right, and it's not straightforward, but I think that we know quite a lot now after more than 20 years about what's working and what's not. And the first thing is, I would say, we need the expropriation bill that was passed by Parliament last year and is now being referred back by President Zuma, we need that to be passed into law. And the reason why expropriation is so crucial is that where particular land is being claimed, where people are claiming back their own land that they were dispossessed of unfairly, uh, unless the state can take that land by force, it means that the current owners are able to effectively veto any restitution. So clearly we need expropriation powers to be part of the mix. It probably won't make the process much quicker. It may not make it much cheaper, although uh, compensation below market level is allowed under mm-hmm. the Constitution. But we certainly need expropriation to be part of the mix. But I think that the main thing that needs to happen now is that the state... Uh, should be developing policy. We only have a very, very outdated policy on land reform that dates from 1997. It's clear that the focus is no longer on the poor, and yet a lot of the political rhetoric is about the poor. So I think that there's leadership that is needed to give focus about who, for whom and for what is land reform, and then we can get into saying, okay, for instance, if it is poor, let's demarcate whole areas around the cities and make available holding with secure rights for poor people and channel it that way. And if we don't do that, the danger is that this whole program is susceptible to elite capture. Uh, I've recently completed research in the Eastern Cape with a colleague, and what we found is that actually big companies are getting land from government, that it is bought with land reform funds. They're taking over large commercial farms and then simply signing up um, the farm workers as beneficiaries. But actually, there's a lot of cashing in happening. So I think that we need leadership. We need to clarify that expropriation is part of the mix. Personally, I think that the ANC, beyond some historical gestures, does not actually want to pursue expropriation without compensation. Mm -hmm. I think that what we need is some clarity, and clearly President Zuma is pursuing other priorities. Mm. The irony, of course, is that even as our political leadership is talking more and more about land, the fact that what it's actually doing is undermining the land reform program actually shows that land is not a top priority for the ANC right now. It's allowing the program to fail. It's allowing the program to fall into its demise. Mm. So uh, it remains to be seen whether there is a core group of leadership within the ANC that feels that this is a real issue, it's an important way of dealing with inequality in South Africa. It's important in dealing with issues of reconciliation and racial cohesion. Mm. Um, 
and we have the tools with which to do it. But I think that uh, we are yet to see that group of leadership within the ANC coming out uh, and challenging and contradicting the president. Mm. Let, let me come to you, um, Amar, you, you, your thoughts there on how to take things uh, forward. Well, I think the first thing to do is um, uh, government needs to step up its game with regards to the 2014 Act that was uh, unconstitutional with regards to land restitution. Um, there are now a lot of individuals being prejudiced by this uh, this occurrence, and uh, the Constitutional Court did say that all the claims in terms of the 1994 Act should um, deserve uh, precedent. And I think that's good, especially for individuals who have been waiting for more than 20 years to have their claims uh, heard in court or alternatively settled. So I think uh, government needs to step up its game in that regard. Um, with regards to land reform, I think uh, government uh, needs to step away from all this rhetoric with regards to not giving compensation for land when expropriating land. Um, the reason being uh, that uh, we are a country that is highly dependent on foreign investment, and uh, regardless of what type of investor you are, whether you are local or foreign, you want some, secure, some sense of security for the property you are investing in. Um, and one of those things are enshrined in the Constitution that just and equitable compensation should be paid for any uh, type of expropriation. So I think governments should uh, keep following suit with regard to the Constitution. Mm. If they do adopt an expropriation bill, keep the clauses in with regard to that. And, uh, and yeah, just, uh, sure. just uh, keep going that L- route. Let me give Glenn the final sentiments. There are varying views already from what uh, uh, Professor Ruth Hall is saying and what Armand is saying, almost contradictory to a certain degree uh-huh. what they're saying in the particular show. But y- your final sentiments, Glenn, despite all these differences we're hearing from the program. Well, I think even the first thing that we can say is that we have to continue having the discussion as South Africans, as societies, as stakeholders, mm-hmm. and as citizens. We've got to engage each other. We've got to engage and talk about our past. We've got to talk about our future. And we've got to critically voice our views. Um, I think it's really important that this debate is had. But I think what we're saying, how do we move forward beyond that, is that we need the implementation of existing legislation mm-hmm. as is. Okay? So that's really important that... The, the laws and policies that have been brought into place need to be implemented, and that mm-hmm. needs a lot of help. Um, mm-hmm. The state needs to accept that it's not, it is not able to deliver on its mandate, mm-hmm. and it needs to be strengthened to do so. Then we, I think we would agree that there needs to be some kind of review that allows us, which is, I think, partially already taking place, but a, 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 a more coherent take on policy so that we can differentiate what it is that we wish to achieve. I think we've got historical laws or laws that exist or uh, come from our history, that are derived from our constitution, and when we say we must implement those laws, we're saying mm. those things need to be uh, fully implemented, yes? Mm. But we're saying moving forward to meet the challenges where we are today, we need to review policy and then we need to look at what are the outcomes that we want. Because mm. I think why there's an, a range of contestations um, beyond the political identity, right? There's a real contestation. It's because sometimes the, the legislative and policy instruments and institutions that we put in place don't actually support the purposes or there's a mismatch between those. Mm. So a review and a coherence within policy will mm. definitely benefit everyone. But more well, important, we have, I have to... Us, sorry, sure. The last word is sure. to say, have, all of these must take place with a focus on the beneficiaries. Sure. The beneficiaries mm. that need to be simple to any.
any um, way forward that we develop. Well, we have to wrap it up there. Thank you to Glenn Farade, who is a program manager there at the Association for Rural Advancement. Thank you as well to Professor Ruth Holtz. Great to speak to you, Professor. Again, it's been a while. I think it's been two years now. He's the, she's the associate professor from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies. Thank you as well, Taman Khreling, who is uh, from Afri Business Law. He's a law and uh, policy analyst uh, there. Thank you all for giving us your time. Thank you. Sure, that takes us. uh, Sure, that takes us to eleven forty-seven. Just to give you a final commentary from Lauren Otley, who says, "I agree with Ruth Hall uh, that uh, government urgently needs to update policy for clarity and uh, to avoid further state capture." That's how we wrap up our show today. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you to someone on uh, Twitter who was actually being nice to Channel Africa by the name of Mudaka. Mudaka says, "Channel Africa, you the best channel." Thanks. Keep it up. Thank you, Mudaka, for your compliments there. Remember, if you want to join us online, we at Channel Africa One. That's the numeric one at Channel Africa One. Or you can uh, join us on at African Dialogue, which is our other handle for this specific show. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow, same place, same time. We're going to wrap it up with some music. This one is titled Tina C's Way. It's by Papaya.
Jesus.